everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And we are back with episode three of The Demigod Dish. I truly cannot believe that after this episode, um, we'll only have one more episode for us because the series is almost over already. I know. And it's because the episodes are so short. Something that we've been complaining about every week when we find out the runtime, it's like, it's only 30 minutes. Yeah, I, like, we were we were talking before we started, and um, episode six, we take a zebra to Vegas. Like, that whole episode covers one chapter and a little bit of the next chapter, so it was only 33 minutes, and yet, it could have been an hour. Like, I, I would have taken an hour. Give me an extra 30 minutes. Why are they so short? Is it, like, attention span? I think maybe, like, it kind of feels like they're trying very hard to, like, keep the plot moving, which is fine. Like, I totally understand that. Um, And somebody did point out that when the plot isn't, like, moving or, like, when we're not focused on moving the plot, there's no action or things like that, like our quiet moments, it is a lot of exposition, which is not wrong. Like, that is true. Like, I remember in episode four when Percy and Annabeth were on the train and they're mostly just talking about like the gods and Athena and blah, blah, blah. Like I totally get that. However, if the episodes were longer, not only would we get that, but we could also get like just little character things or like little nods to other stuff. Um, And I was Mm -hmm. looking. So our next two episodes, so our final two episodes have to cover about three chapters each. Um, I don't know the runtime for those off the top of my head. But we, we still have quite a bit of ground to cover and only two more episodes. Yeah. I mean, like, half an hour episodes seem short. But when you compare it to, like, the length of the movie, like, what the movie was two hours maybe. And the show is going to be over four hours. That's true. That is so yeah. true. And I remember, you know, way back when we talked about how the first two it seemed like we were sprinting with that pace. Yeah. But when I was flipping through the book before we started, I I did notice that it takes 100 pages before we even get to the quest. So, like, I get it. It makes sense. But I do feel like this show, we could have had a show where it was, like, maybe not 24 episodes, but, like, really stretched out. But instead, we like have... Like, 10 instead of 8. Or 10 right? instead of 8, Yeah. But yeah. I still am really impressed with yeah. what we have. Like, yeah, it's really like, good. That's, like, really my only nitpick about this show is just that it's too short. Like, we could have more because it is just – it's really doing a good job. Yeah. I, it's, like, almost like they're scared of pacing. Like, they're scared of going too slow. I, I kind of I, – I think you might be right with that. I think that – especially because, like, this is for – kids right like this is supposed to be a kids show and maybe that's just the way that's formatted now like it needs Mm -hmm. to move along needs to move faster um i haven't really talked to any of my students about it i don't know if any of them are watching or not um we were actually just out for an entire week because of the winter weather (laughs) um so i don't really know like what their thoughts are on it but i will say like I am really, really enjoying this series, and I'm going to be really upset when yeah. it's over. And they better just go ahead and say, like, hey, it's renewed for five seasons. They just better go ahead and tell us that. It's going to be renewed. And um, in Disney World and Hollywood Studios, I 
believe it's Hollywood Studios. They have a bunch of costumes. I think it's in the Walt exhibit, like the One Man's Dream in the back. That's where mm-hmm. they usually put costumes. Um, it's in Disney World, hoping that it stays for another two months so we can see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know Disneyland also had, like, a photo op that was up for, like, a weekend, but it there's no costumes there. I think it's just mm-hmm. in Florida that they have, like, cool stuff. You also see the joke where there's different shoes for Percy and they yeah. exhibit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somebody somebody said the, the vans that Walker wears in the show got, like, completely destroyed, and other people are like, no, Walker stole the vans. Walker stole them. Walker, Walker stole, stole the vans. Them. Yeah. I also yeah. think... I mean, I can't really tell from the picture, but I wonder if the shoes that are on display are the Hermes shoes. But mm-hmm. I I haven't seen anybody mention that. But, like, that would be my only thought as to why the shoes are different. Because, <laughs> yeah, no, Walker's vans, like, he, he has been pictured in them, like, on a red carpet. So, like, he has the vans. Yeah. Okay, so before we get into that, um, we do have quite a bit of um, news and recommendation things. Um, So first things first, I saw Mean Girls. Alex hasn't seen Mean Girls yet. Um, I personally really enjoyed it. I know people are hating on it and saying that it's not as, like, theatrical or, you know, theater kid. I've seen, like, so many people say it was good. I've seen so many people hating on it. We really are. different sides. I saw a lot of, like, initial reactions from the premiere being like, oh, wow, that was a lot better than I thought it'd be. Mm-hmm. I, like, I heard it was good from, like, our friends, like, who've seen it. But, like, yeah, my yeah. timeline is mostly with people that are criticizing, um, especially the actress who plays Katie. But personally, like, that movie was so fun. Is it as good as the original Mean Girls? No. But does it have its own place in the Mean Girls universe? Absolutely. See, that's exactly... That's that's successful then. If yeah. it can have its place beside the original, not necessarily be as good, but like warrant a reason to exist, then yeah. it was successful. Well, and like it's so weird to me when people say that it's like a remake or a reboot because it is truly based off of the musical and the musical is on YouTube. Like you can look it up and watch it. I watched most of it after I saw the movie. And the movie literally is just an adaptation of the musical and obviously the musical is an adaptation from the original but i feel Mm -hmm. like it's removed enough to where i wouldn't even call this movie like a remake or a reboot because all of the beats that it does it gets from the musical so anything that the musical changed is why it's changed in the film like for example um janice's backstory is a little bit different that's because it's different in the musical or um, the pacing of, like, certain events, it's because it's different from the musical. Like, any iconic scenes, if they're not in the movie, it's because it wasn't in the musical. So, to me, I'm like, I wouldn't call it a remake. I would just call it, like, a continuation. That's the, that's the studio's fault, though. Yeah. That's, that, that's not fans' fault for calling it a remake. No. Because the studio was making making it seem like it wasn't even a musical. No, they 1,000% like, marketed it wrong. They're calling it, you know, not your mother's mean girls, which I don't think you can say really because it it's like for I don't know, like you can only say that if you're genuinely marketing towards Gen Alpha, which I feel like this movie was not for Gen Alpha. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I guess like the older millennials, the eldest millennials can have 
Gen Z kids, I guess. Like some, for sure. Most of yeah. our millennial parents are Gen Alpha parents. So oh, okay. I was like, okay. Um, but like I went into it knowing it was like based off of the musical that it was going to be a musical and I had a blast. Um, my favorite thing that they did during the talent show, Damien for his song, like in the movie, you know, he sings I Am Beautiful <laughs> in the movie, in the um, the new movie, he sings the theme song from iCarly, but it's in French. <laughs> <laughs> And I was just, that was hilarious to me. I lost it. Like, I feel like this musical is for, like, people our age. Like, we grew yeah. up on Mean Girls, and but we now mothers. love... Yeah, I know. Like, exactly. that's the crazy thing, is, like, and even if we were, like, our kids wouldn't be Mm-mm. of age to watch the movie. No, I think, like, the kids that I teach, like, because, you know, I teach middle school, I think a lot of the jokes would go over their heads, which, I mean, granted, when I saw Mean Girls the first time, a lot of jokes went yeah, over my head. Yeah, it was 2004, yeah. Like, we were young that there were jokes going over our head. Yeah, but I feel like this was for, like, people our age. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, well, I really liked it. you'll have to find out, since you're going back to school, you'll have to find out if anyone saw Mean Girls and what they thought. Yes. I, I like, I have a feeling probably a couple of the girls saw it. I think that... The main thing that they missed out on with the marketing is that they should have tried to get more of that, like, Barbie feeling with it. You know, like, with Barbie, yeah. it was, like, such an event. And I think if they had marketed Mean Girls for that, like, like that same nostalgia thing that they did with Barbie, that it would have been different, yeah. right? It would have mm-hmm. been an event, like, wear pink to see Mean Girls, like, that kind of thing. But they just, they kind of missed the boat. So I recommend it. I think it's a fun time. I will probably watch it several times just because it's so fun. And Renee Rapp, listen, she is such a good Regina George. Like, it's insane. They should have, the only thing that I think they should have done is they just should have made her explicitly gayer. But she already she wasn't. Oh, I was going to say, like, I feel like all her interviews, she's been saying, like, Regina is a lesbian in this movie. Is she not? I think Regina, so without giving too much away about, like, Janice's backstory, I think Regina is, like, a closeted, in quotations, queer. Like, I think she likes girls, but she doesn't, you know, it's coming out in, like, a bully way. Yeah. Um, I read her as, as, like, a baby bisexual is how I read her. Okay. So... But that also, a lot of that is Renee Rapp because she just exudes mm-hmm. <laughs> that queer energy. <laughs> so tell me about what you've been watching, Alex. That is also very theatrical. I've been watching The Traitors. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will give a brief synopsis. It's um murder mystery reality TV show. It's very, like, Among Us-like. Um... Because when they need to vote someone off, the, it reminds me a lot of what our meetings are like in Among Us when we're trying to decide who <laughs> an imposter is, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. it reminds me a lot of that. Um, but the other, like, twist on this is that it's all the contestants are other reality show stars from, like, other things like Amazing Race, Survivor, RuPaul's Drag Race, The Bachelor – um, Real Housewives, like they're all, the, they've been on other reality shows, mm. 
And then the host for the American one is Alan Cumming. And he... There has never been a reality TV host who is given what he gives to the show. <laughs> he is so dramatic. He's giving, like, Emmy award-winning performance. Like, he, I'm not kidding. Like, I've never seen anything like this. Um, oh, my God. And he, he dresses himself. He has his own wardrobe. Like, he like he pulls from his own wardrobe when he's dressing himself. Um, this show is definitely written by theater kids. In episode two of season one, they end up burying contestants and then <laughs> making others, like, go on, like, a wild goose chase to find the graves and then dig them up. Like, is like, crazy. Crazy. And it all takes place in the Scotland Highlands in a castle. <laughs> so, like, I haven't seen the show because it's on Peacock. Um, but Alex has been filling me in. She sends me, like, clips and she's been sending me pictures. And, like, there's no way to over-exaggerate how much this show is just, like, committed to the bit. Yeah. Like, it, it's truly astounding to me like they were like this is a murder mystery show and everybody here is going to commit to this and and the host like well like i don't even want to say everyone commits to it because the contestants are wearing modern clothing and talking modernly like they are not committing to the bit it's only the host but i feel like that's part of the bit no it's funny like it makes it even funnier (laughs) and then like so obviously like among us there's like there's trait they're called traitors there's three people chosen who are gonna be the ones that go out at night and kill kill one of them (laughs) and like the craziest thing about their traitors is they have these cloaks that cover themselves so you can't tell who it is and then they meet every night in a tower (laughs) Okay, it looks like a witch coven, like, gathering together to do some crazy stuff. That's amazing. And, like, they get into this tower and then they discuss who they think is, like, a threat and who they should murder. And then they write the person's name on a piece of paper and then seal it. (laughs) And then they put their hoods back on and walk in a straight line, like... It like single file line the three of them towards Alan and then they give the piece of paper to Alan and Alan always does some dramatic look like you can't see me right now but he always like dramatically takes the the little note <laughs> like um, and then and then like the way that it's revealed who's murdered is the next morning everyone arrives to breakfast and it's really dramatic people will knock on the door and enter like to the breakfast room. <laughs> And, like, and then I'll be, like, one seat left. And then they're, like, who could it be? And, like, and obviously the traders are, like, acting like they don't know. (laughs) And, yeah, it's it's crazy. And so, so far I'm watching, so I'm watching season one, even though season two is airing right now. It's not done yet. But in season one, this is, I guess, like, very minor spoilers, but I'm three episodes in. Four people have been eliminated. No traders eliminated. (laughs) That is so, like, (laughs) the thing that I love the most about this is that I feel like, you know, in 2020, like, when Among Us, like, really blew up, like, you could feel that, like, people wanted to, like, 
capture that energy. And this is the first thing I've seen where I feel like they have like truly captured yeah. the chaos. Like, listen, when when Alex and I play Among Us with our group, like there are no thoughts. It is vibes only. <laughs> well, like, and they're they're not playing on vibes in this show. They're very <laughs> accusatory. Mm-hmm. So, like, as soon as one person will be like points at someone and says that person's sus then everyone jumps on that person (laughs) it's like well you're the one sussing someone else out so you must be the traitor but like that's what we do with the vibes it's like wow you're really throwing this person under the bus it's probably you (laughs) and i just watched like the last like interaction i watched in episode three where they voted someone out it was two people just going at each other and the room was split, but neither one of them was a traitor. Like, they were, like, the traitors were just like, we're just going to let them go at each other. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, i like, super tempted to do, like, a free trial because Alex has really sold me on this show. So I'm, There's I'm, 11 very, I'm very episodes. 11 episodes in season one. But if you're going to do a free trial, maybe wait until season two is done. Yeah. Because then you can just watch both. Just watch the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So also with really good TV, um, Alex and I both watched Echo, um, which was only five episodes, and it was very, very good. I think most notably, um, is it Rebecca Roanhorse? Was she one of the, like, yeah, writers? Yeah, she was in the writer's room. Yeah, um, which is related because she writes for Star Wars. Um, they did a really amazing job with, like, Native American mythology, um, the actress who plays Maya, um just gave a phenomenal performance. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm really excited on the 31st, um, the making of Echo and Percy Jackson releases on the same day. I'm really excited to watch the Echo one. I haven't watched a Marvel's Assemble in a long time, but I really want to watch the Echo one. Yeah, especially because um, like incorporating the sign language aspect to the show too. I'd love to hear what everyone has to say about that and how visually... They wanted to represent it. I've seen, like, I've seen different TikToks talk about how different characters sign Mm -hmm. and how interesting that is. Yeah. And, like, how certain characters will sign very clumsily because they're not in practice as much. Like, and kind of, like, it adds to the character so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I know the the video that you're talking about because they were like, you know, oh, this person, you know, mostly talks. And so, like, they're signing – English very clumsily. The alphabet, yeah. The, the alphabet. Whereas, like, um, the cousin is she hardly ever speaks when she signs because she's just so fluent in ASL with like talking with Maya. It's so fascinating to me. Like, and I feel like the show did a really good job of like making the ASL scenes like very riveting. And like you said, adding to that character development because like Wilson Fisk is in this. And it's pointed out that, like, Wilson Fisk, even though he, you know, kind of sees himself as, like, a second father to Maya, never bothered to learn sign language himself. Like, and this is a man who learned... Never bothered to communicate with her. Yeah, well, he learned Mandarin because, like, of the business world, but he never bothered to learn sign language to communicate with Maya. Like, that, again, is, like, such an interesting layer to add to the top of it. Um, I really like that it's about past generations of women yeah and every episode is named after like one of the women that is from the generations that like led up to maya and it was just really well done like i i wish it was more than five episodes but i also feel like 
pacing wise, they did a really good job. It kind of feels like mm-hmm. a bridge between like Hawkeye and then the new Daredevil that we're going to be getting. It, it kind of totally. feels like it's kind of connecting them. Yeah. Although I enjoyed this so much more than Hawkeye, I will say. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I think that they lot. did a much better job. Like, I remember. Because I've seen parts of Daredevil. I have. I still have yet to finish Daredevil. I know. I'm you so should sorry. watch have, it before the new one. I know. I know. I haven't even gotten to, like, that, like, scene with Elektra. Like, I haven't even gotten that far. That's in season um, two. I know. But um, I felt like in Hawkeye, they didn't do a fabulous job with Wilson Fist because, like, he's terrifying. Yeah. And in that show, he was kind of lame. Um, And in this, I kind of felt like they brought back what it feels like to watch daredevil like this show is very violent violent. it's very dark yeah Yeah. you could feel that like it 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 still felt like mature it has a mature rating which is like the first on disney plus yeah well and it was it was on so like in the u.s like you can't watch the marvel shows on hulu um, but this one is on Hulu because of that mature rating. So it's on both. Yeah, I guess. So then that probably leads us to believe that Daredevil will also be like that on both. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, I need to catch up on Daredevil so that I can be like ready for that. Because he's oh, my this boy. Is, this is kind of news, but they announced, was it last week or this week, that both Foggy and Karen will be in the new show. Which yeah. they weren't originally because for whatever reason, they were written out. Like, they were not written into the new show. Mm. And then recently after the strike, they've rebuilt the writer's room and started from scratch on this show. So I guess well, that's because what apparently they never had, like, a writer's room. <laughs> like, because <laughs> apparently, like, all the Marvel shows, they just, like, come at it from, like, a movie perspective. And it's like, Early um, talk, we don't need a writer's room. Like, yeah. <laughs> Marvel's delusional. They made like a a creative decision to canonize all of the previous Marvel shows as well. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where this came from too. Um, And that's another reason why, like before I was like, oh, I guess I don't need to finish Daredevil because it's like kind of restarting and blah, blah, blah. But now that I know that like Karen and Foggy are going to be in it, like I do want to go back. It's really good. I know. I know. Is it on Hulu? Where did they get, where did it get moved? That is such a good question. I was watching it on Netflix, I think. Yeah, but it, all that stuff got taken down. Yeah. For me, it's on Disney Plus because yeah. I'm in Canada. It might be on Disney Plus here. I haven't looked. Uh, it's like, listen, like, was Echo more adult? Yes. Listen, but was it char- Daredevil level? No. I don't well, think there's any Daredevil way the show's on Disney. Daredevil has a sex scene. <laughs> Well, even, but also just the, the violence really is even more violent than Echo. Like, Very true. Listen, I just watched seven Saw movies. The violence in Echo was fine. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, but it was a lot compared to um, stuff we've seen from Marvel. Like, no, absolutely. Seeing blood at all is very rare. Um, Daredevil is not on Hulu. Oh, I just checked. I'm going to check Disney Plus. It's on... No. Okay. So Daredevil is on Disney Plus in the US. Oh. Oh, yeah. I see. It has content restriction. Yeah. 
So last thing for recommendations before we move into the little bit of news we have. Um, this is so embarrassing, but I just have to say it. Listen, I finally finished my Hunger Games reread. This is my third time reading the books, and I get it now. I get it now. Yay! Not I'm. I mean, I'm not a. I'm not a super fan or anymore. But like, no, like what I realized. So I read these books originally, like in high school, right? Like mm-hmm. I think, like you know, like 2012. you were the age of of Katniss, yeah. basically. Yeah. Like I, I remember when I read them, and like when I was first reading them, it was right before Mockingjay was coming out. Because I remember I didn't have to wait very long, and it was around the time the movies came out. But I read them before the movies. And the first time I read them, I think I just was very, like, aware of, like, the love triangle of it all. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, yeah. And so I kind of latched onto that. And I was very frustrated with the way the characters act towards Katniss. Like, I, you mm-hmm. know, Katniss was, like, because I, at the time, I was reading, like, Twilight and Divergent, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, she, to me, like, fit that mold. And so I think that's why I was frustrated. And then I read them again. Um, I don't know how long ago it was. Like, maybe, like, 2018. And when I read it again that time, I read it differently. And I was like, okay, no. Like, I kind of see, like, what we're going with here and, like, Katniss and her choices and blah, blah, blah. But, like, I was still like projecting on it wrong because I read it that time and I was like okay no yeah like I don't like Gail anymore but I still don't like PETA like that was my thing it's like I just Mm -hmm. I didn't like PETA at all and so when I read it this time I like really told myself like I was going to listen like I I wanted to listen to what Katniss was feeling I wanted to listen to what the other characters were saying I wanted to like really listen to PETA and I read the first one and I still felt pretty much the same way. Like I was having a a new experience. Like I definitely could feel like I was, I was reading the text differently. I felt like I was getting more from it. I read Catching Fire and I remember not liking Catching Fire as much as I did on my second read, but I was already seeing like, okay, I kind of feel like where we're going. But when I reread Mockingjay and last time I read Mockingjay, I gave it like a two and a half. Like I did not like it. I gave it five stars this time blew me away like it's like I'd never read this book before I I feel like I read it for the first time like genuinely (laughs) um so I like just saw it with like completely new eyes and I like I liked the ending I still have like my issues with the ending but I really I really loved it and I told myself that I was gonna wait because I wanted to reread Songbirds and Snakes because I hated Songbirds and Snakes when I read it um, but I started it anyway, and I'm already enjoying Songbirds and Snakes more than more. the first time. Yeah. Like, already. And I think that has to do with the movie. Um, yeah. But already, just because I, I have this, like, new knowledge that I didn't previously see in my other reads, like, I'm really liking it. And I'm like, okay, I understand why this book was written now. Because when it came out, I was like, why did she write this book? And it's like, I get it now. I'm so late to the party, but like, I get it now. So like, I didn't read the Hunger Games books until a few years ago. And I think the reason why I do like PETA is because of Josh. Because I think that his performance as PETA is Mm -hmm. good. And it's very, to me, sincere. Like, Mm -hmm. his performance of PETA. So, like, I never had, like, and then when I read the books, I'm, like, picturing Josh. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. Because, like, I, I struggled with that 
along with Katniss, because, like, that's kind of the thing with Katniss, is she doesn't know what's sincere and what isn't. Um, mm-hmm. I do still read Katniss as an aromantic character, um, especially when you see, like, the longing that Gail has, and you can tell that Katniss is, has never felt that way and will never feel that way. Yeah. Um, but I also, for the first time, like, latched onto something. Um, Katniss has, you can tell, she's never felt any kind of attraction before ever until this one moment in Catching Fire. And she's very aware of it. She's like, what is this? Like, whoa. <laughs> and then obviously everything happens and Peta gets captured and he gets brainwashed and they have to rebuild their entire relationship from the ground up. And then in the um, very end of Mockingjay, she finally feels it again after repairing their relationship. And I'm like, okay, there's a little bit of Demi in there. There's a little bit, yeah. there's a little bit in there. And I, I, had never like caught on to that before and I really liked that and I, I think that this time reading Mockingjay and seeing Peta have to rebuild his memories helped obviously Katniss but it also helped me finally see like what was sincere and what was it and like he was always genuine but the nature of the games made everything seem disingenuine just like yeah. Katniss always like you know, was a free thinker and, like, had these choices, but the games took that from her. So it's like, I never noticed that that's what they took from Peta was everything came off as disingenuous when really he was the most genuine person. That's that's kind of like a testament to Suzanne's writing, though, is that you're you're really um, zeroing in on Katniss's POV in that case, Mm -hmm. that you're you're reading Peta as being disingenuous because, like, Suzanne wrote it that way on purpose. Yeah, because you see everything through her eyes. And so yeah. it's, everything kind of gets lost. You have to experience things through Katniss's eyes. And so that's why this time I was like, I really want to try to like be aware of those other threads, right? Like be mm-hmm. aware of those other things that like Katniss herself does not pick up on. She's, yeah. subtlety is lost on her. And like human emotion also is a little bit lost on her, um, especially like with Finnick. Um and so it was it was interesting to feel that. And like I I could probably count on one hand the amount of times I've like legitimately like cried when I was reading. But when Buttercup came back after Prim's death, and that was the first time Katniss like truly sobbed and mourned her sister, girl, <laughs> I couldn't see the page anymore. I was like, what's <laughs> happening? Human emotion. <laughs> so I I really, like, it's so weird to explain. Like, I feel like I read Mockingjay for the first time. I feel like I had truly never read it before. So, I'm... I feel like I'm, you're going <laughs> to feel that way about Songbirds and Snakes, too. I think so, too. Like, I'm I'm excited. Because it's, like, the POV problem again. Yes. And I it's think that, that's like, the we thing. both like that book because we were like, oh, I hate reading Snow's POV. Yes. Like, it's awful. And then you see these stories in movie form which automatically pulls you away from a one-person POV because yes. you're reading you're you're yourself observing mm-hmm. rather than being in someone else's head observing their thoughts somebody so brought I that think up that's what it is somebody brought that up when they were talking about the pacing with Percy Jackson or like even the humor with Percy Jackson because those are first mm-hmm. person um, and a lot of the sass, and commentary you get from being in Percy's head. And so you don't get that in the show. And I think what that has done a really good job of is that when you are reading from Percy's perspective, it can be hard to see 
that he is so angry and that some people are genuinely like afraid of him, especially later on when he like comes into his power. Like there's a chapter from Piper where she's like genuinely terrified of how powerful Percy is. But you read Percy's perspective and you're like, he's just being a silly, goofy guy. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so I've appreciated the show showing that like Percy is like, so angry and like yeah he's Mm -hmm. sassy and he's funny but like you know his mom is gone like you can see the emotion better because you're not he's like cinnamon roll in the inside yes could kill you on the outside yes yes and like as his relationship with annabeth has been progressing i feel like they are bringing that lightness out in each other because annabeth is the same way i love she comes off very hard we'll get into it but like we will yeah we will I think it might be my favorite part of the show. I I 100% agree with you. I'll, although I will also add Arian's performance is yeah. so good. Is so good. Um, anyway, we do have a little bit of news to get into. And uh, basically all of these things kind of fit into the same category of believe it when there's a trailer. Right? Yeah. So... There's been a lot of rumors about the Ray movie that's coming out. We've, we've known mm-hmm. that there's going to be a Ray movie that Daisy's attached to. Like, this was announced at the last celebration. Um, recently, over the weekend, there's been a lot of, like, Back oh, it's, per- yeah, postponed indefinitely. No, yeah. it's not. Yes, it is. Blah, blah, blah. Like, Daisy's been saying things. Other people have been saying things. And, like, listen, I believe that this is a movie that is probably happening because Daisy's attached to it. However... Yeah. I will believe it when there's a trailer. <laughs> so so my opinion is that I don't think there's validity to it being postponed indefinitely and the writers being taken off because then later there was, you know, people from that know people in Lucasfilm, whatever, like are saying that that's not true. But like you said, is that we've been burned so many times before that it, it becomes believable or, yeah. or it could still happen. Like it could still get postponed. And I would be like, yeah, yeah. like that's why that rumor going around, people were kind of believing it because it's happened. It's a before. pattern. It's a pattern. Well, like the the Taika Waititi movie, the Ryan Johnson movie, oh, yeah. the For sure. Kevin Feige it's, movie. The, I mean, the Taika Waititi movie was exactly that pattern. Like, yeah. Exactly. So it, but they're still saying Ryan's movie is happening. I, my opinion on the does Ryan Does Ryan movie know his movie is happening? Well, so <laughs> I think it'll happen if Kathleen Kennedy is still around when they're ready to make it. But I can't see her being around long enough because she'll retire eventually she's you know she's getting older but i don't know it it depends on timing right like will ryan be able to come back and dedicate time to this before kathleen kennedy retires because i don't think it'll happen under someone else i agree with that i also like until I see a star wars movie that kind of like restores some of the faith that was lost with Rise of Skywalker. I just have a hard time with this. Like, with the Rey movie, like, I have so many things that I want this movie to be, right? Like, we want, we want to see certain things. Yeah. And there's things that I'm like, I would be, it would be fine, but I wouldn't be super excited. And there's things that I'm like, I can feel them going this direction and I don't want them to go this direction. So every time I hear things about the Rey movie, I just kind of am like, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, We'll, yeah. we'll see. Um, and that also goes into um, 
there's a rumor that Star Wars is making a What If series. That's a big rumor, though. It That's, is a big there's rumor. There's no, like, confirmed. Yes. Um, I would like to see it. We talked about it a bit, like, before recording, mm. that, like, we would like to see it on, like, the terms that we would want, not <laughs> on the terms that are probably going to happen. Yeah. Like, it being kind of stupid. Like, we want to see, like, these big what-ifs, like, if Padme had survived, mm. like, if Rey had taken Kylo's hand, like, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. If Din Djarin took off his helmet and didn't put it back on, that's yeah. what I would like to see. Well, and it's like, I, you know, I want to see those things, but, like, I'm also okay with, like, silly, goofy stuff. Like, what if... Yeah. Um, silly, goofy's good. What? Like, when I said stupid, I mean just, no, like, fanboy I know what you stuff. Mean. Yes. No, because what it'll be is, like, what if Luke stayed on the farm? Or what if... Oh, it's 100% going to be that. What if Lando never gave Han the ship, you know? Okay, but what if Luke stayed on the farm? That's in the last Jedi novelization. Yeah, he has the dream. Like, you know, I'm fine with, like, certain silly things, like... You know, what if Jar Jar Binks was a Sith Lord? You know, like, yeah, I think that would be funny. Silly. Yeah. You know, something silly. What if Palpatine uh, liked the color pink? Like, I don't know. You know, like, silly stuff like that. But, like, yeah, I do want to see the bigger what ifs with Star Wars. I think a lot of people, we make jokes about it. Like, a lot of people say, like, what if episode nine didn't happen? Or what if Ryan Johnson directed episode nine? But I think that really comes from the fact that, like, there are so many what ifs with Star Wars that really came in with episode nine where it's like they went they like completely zagged when we thought they were all gonna zig you know yeah so i think that's why people like definitely are like okay like this could be something but with star wars they there's two paths that they could go down and they normally pick the one that appeases the louder more angry more exclusive side of the fandom i feel like yeah Although I'm, I feel like I'm seeing TV go in a different direction. Like especially with true. Andor. Like, like think about it. Like Kenobi, Andor. Those have been the two series that have actually gotten like em, like significant Emmy noms. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm shocked that like, Andor didn't actually win anything. They were against. Uh, I know it was what, a stacked they, year. Like. I think, like, get them getting nominated was, like, a win on their own. True, true, true. That is like, so true. this year was, like, you watched a lot of the shows this year, too. It was a really strong year. It was. Um, we're big Succession fans, so. Yeah, big Succession and the Bear fans. <laughs> yeah, and Andor, right? Yeah. Like, I, like, I'm, I'm feeling my confidence restore a bit in TV outside yes. of, like, the Favreau-verse stuff. Yes, I I totally agree with that. And I, I feel like that's kind of how we've been feeling about like the books, right? Like with Higher Public mm-hmm. and like things like that. Um, where it gets hard, like you said, is with like the Favreau and like the Dave Filoni stuff. Because like we didn't talk about Ahsoka. We're probably still not going to. Neither one of us really loved it or really hated it. It just kind of is it was, what it yeah. is. You know, it it, it was a a thing that came out. It should have been animated, whatever. Um, But, you know, they announced that there's going to be a Mando and Grogu movie. And both of us were just kind of like, but why? (laughs) I mean, the answer is money. Like, you know, Baby Yoda is still 
A cash cow. Yes. Yeah. And listen, go milk that cow, honey. I totally. But I like love it or hate it. Like like you said earlier, season three, we didn't really love season three, but it ended on a good ending. They had a good ending. And so, like, I just can't see what it is that we're doing in this movie other than having yeah. a silly, fun time, which is fine. But, but, like, they could do so much more than have a silly, fun time. It's like they've built this really interesting dynamic in season one mm-hmm. where, you know, Pedro Pascal is playing yet another father, like, figure who has to raise a child in kind of, like, um uneasy, like, world, like in, like, in a difficult world. Like, that is interesting. The things that they've gone through, especially in season one, were very intriguing. Like, you have a cash cow. Now, like, write, write good, intriguing stuff for it. It doesn't have to be just, like, brainless adventures. Like, there True. can be depth there. Yeah. And you can make your money at the same time. Well, and I think... The problem with, like, the developing the depth is that with season two and season three, I feel like the depth that we do get, it just, it was instead depth with Luke and depth with, like, oh, it's Ahsoka or, like, oh, it's, you know, like, these other characters that we already know when I wanted to see more of Din. Like, I want to see yeah, more of Din his struggle. Din hasn't been developed very much. I, I would argue he hasn't developed one. at all. Like, I, well, I would... since season one. Yeah, since like, season one. Because, I like, he... You know, we don't talk about it. Grogu has seen Din's face. Yeah. And, like, that's never talked about again. So I do feel like Din, like, after season one, neither one of them have changed yeah it's just been a lot of things happening with them there and so that's why i feel like this movie is also going to be like something happening and yeah. they're there you know and i guess like just because i didn't enjoy season three as much like doesn't mean they can't like course correct some of that stuff that i would like to see like like <laughs> when has star wars ever like, course corrected for no, the good alex don't, but that's what i'm saying like they could <laughs> but they won't <laughs> Like, this movie could be really good, but it won't. Exactly. No, that's the thing with Star Wars. It could always... What if Star Wars was good? <laughs> um, but that's what I... Like, going back to the confidence thing in TV, like, I'm feeling good about Andor. I'm feeling good about the Acolyte. Like, I'm feeling... Even though, like, we don't know about the Acolyte, like, I'm feeling good about it. Even, like, Skeleton Crew, I think that's really exciting that they're doing something for, like... Percy Jackson age audience. I yeah. think that's really well, cool. I think that's going to be really good for them to grab onto because, like, obviously we don't know. We haven't really engaged with, like, that age group. But, like, if they're super into Percy Jackson, if you can pull them into Star Wars with something like Skeleton Crew, like, that is the in because these kids yeah. do not care about Star Wars. So if you can be like, hey, if you liked Percy Jackson, watch this show, like, that yeah. would be really that would be something. And unfortunately, like, pulling Percy Jackson fans and putting into them into Willow would have been perfect if they ever took Willow away. It like, would have been perfect. that would have been great. Like, <laughs> Percy Jackson fans would love Willow. It translates so well to Willow. <laughs> like, but you know. Willow's gone. Willow's gone. Like, you literally can't even watch it. Can't even watch it. <sighs> anyway, 
Um, the last little thing we have is that um, phase three of the High Republic is about to have another book. Um, so Escape from Valo comes out on January 30th. This is the middle grade book. It is co-written by Daniel Jose Older and Alyssa Wong, um, who did Afra. So I've started it. I am not very far into it. I'm like 60 pages into it. But my one thing right now, this is a very, it's very long for a middle grade book. It is almost 400 pages. Oh, yeah. I saw it in person. It's big. It, it, she's big. Yeah. Um, My problem at this moment is that I have read four chapters and every single chapter has been from a different perspective and none of these perspectives interact with each other oh, yet no that i'm not gonna like that and i hate when there's too many and there's a <laughs> lot of aliens that's fine but like it is getting fine, characters mixed up is not for me i cannot like keep track of that many well, characters and see that's my thing is that there's so many characters and like all of them pretty much are aliens and their species i haven't heard of so I don't have like, like a new, reference. Right? Like they're, they're new, new characters. Why are there so many new characters the, in the this only, phase? The only character that is from that I recognize so far is Ram. Um, I yeah. thought this was largely going to be from his perspective, but I've only gotten. I've, so it starts with a perspective from the villain, which is fine. But within his chapter, it introduces three other characters. And mm-hmm. then there's a chapter from Ram, which I liked his chapter. His chapter was good. And then there's a chapter from the three younglings that are on the cover of the book. Um, So it's from one of their perspectives and then it introduces the two other characters. And then out of left field, there's this child who's like on a pirate ship, basically. And they're really cool. But oh my God, did they mention so many names and so many types of aliens that I literally, I I couldn't do it anymore. (laughs) Wait, and and this is middle grade, right? This is middle grade. Yeah. Like you can't do that. It's a lot. Like, for, for middle grade age group, having that many characters, like, we're adults and we're like, oh, like, I can't do this. Yeah. Um. Like, again, I've only read, like, 60 pages and this yeah. book is, like, 400. So, like, you know. Yeah, and that's a big book that's for beef, middle grade. That is a beefy That's, like, book. kind of YA. Yeah, I know. It's It's very strange to me. And, I mean, so far the plot doesn't seem – I mean, the plot seems – standard for a middle grade book so i'm like why is it so long yeah so interesting i like remains to be seen like i like i said i read like 60 pages of that and then i was like mm, i'm gonna read ballads of songbirds and snakes <laughs> so i start i read two chapters of that so we'll see i mean after this one we don't have anything until um march so we get nothing in february and then we get um the justina ireland and tessa gratton book um the YA novel which I'm very excited mm-hmm. for um it's just getting there I haven't been super into phase three yet I know you really liked Eye of Darkness um yeah which I liked but like I've been reading the comics and the comics have there's been a lot going on <laughs> I just feel like nothing feels settled into a plot yet there's been a yeah, lot of setups. We so haven't far. like just like dropped back into the action. No, it's like oh, we gotta build up steam again. Yeah, I feel like a lot of it, you know, like especially with Shadows of Starlight, it was a lot of explaining the time jump, and then 
I've yeah. been reading the new run of The Higher Public, which only has three issues. And just now, after the third issue, I finally feel like, okay, we're about to settle into what this comic's about. And it's shorter than normal. Like, it's doesn't have as many issues. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So I'm like, I'm, I'm still, like, very excited for Higher Public. It's just there's some odd choices happening. Okay, so I think with that, we are finally ready to talk about episodes five and six of Percy Jackson. A god buys us cheeseburgers and we take a zebra to Vegas. So I looked at this before we started. So if you will remember, episode four ended on that cliffhanger, right? Mm -hmm. He jumped off, right? And we were like, why did it end on this cliffhanger? Why didn't we just go ahead and do the water stuff? Well, that is where that chapter left off. I did check that. Oh, okay. I, I, I did look at that. Um, I had lent my book to a friend, but I have the book back now. Um, so episode five is chapter – all of chapters 14 and 15. 14 is basically just them regrouping, which we see in this episode. So it's like, hey, we are officially wanted criminals. We are on the news for yeah, terrorism. Yeah, like we can't get back on a train <laughs> or a bus because they're going to yes. recognize us. They're going to arrest us. Like, well, and it's also, you know, Gabe is like saying, oh, yeah, my stepson, Percy Jackson, what a troubled youth, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and like everybody. We can't, and like they can't fly anywhere because Zeus, like. Yes. So it is like the regrouping. And it also was um, that part with the Nereid where like he learns how to like breathe underwater. Like that was yeah, yeah. actually like almost beat for beat. Like it's a very short section. I was surprised at how short that was in chapter 14. Um, and then it's all of chapter 15, which is the confrontation with Ares and then going to the water park. I loved everything about Ares. He yeah, was so good. He was really, really good. He's been like such a, out of all the like gods, I feel like he's been like my favorite, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I agree he with that. Is just his character, like he, the way he comes across to them, like it's so funny. And like, and him and Grover, they're a oh little like <laughs> thing going so, on. That is not in the book at all. Like, yeah, so, like, Grover goes on the side quest, like, with Annabeth and Percy, um, which I I was having trouble remembering because I felt like I remembered Grover, like, sucking up to Ares. Um, And like you said, like, Adam Copeland as Ares, so good. But Arian, his Grover versus this Ares was so fun. He was an international super spy, okay? (laughs) He was, like stroking his ego like oh i love your deep cuts like the 12 year war like whatever yeah he's like well you know like nature is violent and like because <laughs> like aries is like aren't you like a hippie he's like no i'm a fan because he was like oh yeah i saw you at mount olympus he's like oh are you like one of the protesters like no 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 you got don't get it twisted bestie <laughs> he did such a good job i honestly like I've seen a couple people actually, like, criticize Arian's performance as Grover and say that oh. it's not close enough to the books. I 1,000% disagree. Like, his portrayal of Grover is so good. Mm-hmm. And I really love that they're – this is something that, like, they've been doing all along. But, like, the way they've been laying down these threads of the 
bigger arcs um, with like Luke's mom that we get in episode six. Um, and then with Grover, we've been getting so much about like him and his quest, eventual quest for Pan. And mm-hmm. I really like that in episode five, they were like, let's take a second and like really show Grover and like show him on his own. Um, and that got me really excited for eventual season two because he's going to be on his own a lot in season two. Yeah. I really like how, you know, like, we're lucky enough to have this series, like the five book series, be done. Yeah. So that you can lay things like that. Like, whereas, like, when like when a book becomes really popular and they adapt it, like, right away, you can't do anything like that. Yeah. Like, unless the author knows, which a lot of the time they don't. They Like, I mean, like, Rick probably had, like, a very, like um, – like, a summary of what he wanted to happen, but, like, obviously details he would put in as he's writing it to get those now in season one is so exciting. Well, and especially with all of, like, the analysis and, like, retrospection that has been done, like, you see that with the portrayal of the gods. Because in the books, like, the gods are a little bit more, like... I don't really know how you would describe them. Like, they're they're not good people, but they're also just kind of like, oh, they're funny, you know? Like, oh, Ares is the war god, so, like, he's hot-headed and blah, blah, blah. Like, they're very flat. But in this, like, they've been doing a really good job of, like, not only are the gods just, like, horrible parents, but they're fickle, and they show that in a really interesting way. Like, with Mr. D, they showed it right off the bat. We haven't even met Athena, and we can already feel that from her. Um, even with Ares, um, not with Ares, with Hermes, which we get in the next episode, I really like that. Um, in this episode in particular, when we meet Hephaestus, listen, like, this is a portrayal of Hephaestus that we get in, like, maybe the fourth book, but really it's come from, like, a lot of years of, like, really analyzing the myths. So to see, like, this version of Hephaestus, like, side with Annabeth in the things Mm -hmm. that she says that was really powerful to see because that's not something that would have happened in 2005 book one Rick yeah I think but that's also like a test like like a testament to Rick being involved because we wouldn't get any of this if he wasn't involved unless the people writing are like super super fans right like that they dig that deep which I think that's probably hard to imagine, but, like, or maybe they are that committed, but I really do feel like Rick's fingerprints are all over this. Yeah, well, and I think that's why the changes feel so natural, because Mm -hmm. you can tell that the people who are making this love the source material, and they love it so much that they're not going to just do a straight, like, one-to-one. They want to build, they want to transform, they want to adapt, and, like, it's coming across so well. Like, the tunnel of love scene and everything, like, it is so different from the book. Like, in the book, like, obviously all three of them are there. Um, the trap that Hephaestus sets is different. Um, there's this whole thing with Hephaestus, like, trying to, like, humiliate Aphrodite and Ares. And they didn't – they did that, but they did it in such a different way by giving us, like, the full story of Hephaestus And Mm -hmm. I love that they always frame everything. Like, this is kind of the big thing with Sally. They really framed it as, like, Sally was, without Percy knowing it, preparing him for how fickle and awful the gods are to each other. Like, 
Hephaestus' story and the way he was humiliated and all of that, like, to see it play out and then for Annabeth and Percy to be like, yeah, no, like, we get it. You should be on our side. And to see Hephaestus, like, actually think that through, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And, like, you wouldn't have gotten that unless the people making the show truly understood what the books were trying to say. Because that's not yeah. present in the first book. It's something you kind of have to dig for. Mm-hmm. And I love that Annabeth is, like, the whole realization in this episode is Annabeth realizing that she wants to be more like Percy. It really, it feels like Rick is now analyzing his books, you know, 20 years later. And, like, with the perspective he has 20 years later. And I love that so much because, like, he's doing that and so you get all of these deeper things. Like, this is, like, a side of Annabeth that, like, I mean, obviously it's always been there, but you Mm -hmm. really see it a lot more, like, again, like, I think by, like, book four is where you really feel a lot of this stuff. So to see it, the threads of it now is so nice. And, like, people – it's so funny to see people, like, frustrated by this slow burn. And it's, like, it goes beyond the fact that they're just 12. It's also that, like – somebody pointed out that it's, like, it's not necessarily that they're, like, already in love with each other, Percy and Annabeth. It's, like, neither one of them have ever had, like, a real friend like each other. And they're both realizing that, like, this person's cool. Like, I like hanging out with this person. And mm-hmm. I really like that. Like, Annabeth is so guarded and Percy's so angry. But over these past two episodes, like, you see them smiling more. Like, they're just enjoying themselves. Yeah. And I see it really as, like, obviously, yes, this is a slow burn. They're going to get together eventually. But I, I really see it more as, like, a, like, they're about to be best friends. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And also, like... The way that Annabeth is in, especially the first book, it's from Percy's point of view. Yes. So he's not noticing everything that we as an audience would notice Annabeth doing. Like her actually being a lot softer than she's described as in the books. Mm. Like us noticing those moments because Percy's not noticing all of them. And he just, you know, he sees her as this character having like a very hard like outside. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. I like it's like how what we were saying about um, Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I really just think that their chemistry is so good. It like, really is. They it, could not have really picked is. a better duo to play them. Like I I love in these two episodes you see a lot of them on their own because like Grover kind of goes off and do something else. Not to say that like Grover's third wheeling it because he's not, but it is really interesting to see these two characters just play off of each other and the the sass is like coming out now and i i think it's starting to come out because like percy is realizing like percy is a very sarcastic person and i think annabeth is finally realizing that and it's kind of like okay i can joke around like i can be funny and percy's seeing that and he's like i appreciate that and i i really like that like i you see that a lot in the seventh episode, not the seventh episode, the um, sixth episode, um, especially because Grover is the one who, like, kind of forgets his memories and, like, doesn't know what's happening. He's like, you guys are my friends and we're on a quest. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, it felt very, like, these these are our two, this is mom and dad and their 24-year-old son in the backseat. <laughs> <laughs> I really also like how they portray... Percy's beef with Ares because 
it's very clear in the books that Ares, like, that's his aura. Like, his aura makes you want to fight. Like, and I like that in the show, it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to start a fight on Twitter, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, but Percy is, like, so angry. And so that is very easily influenced by Ares. And I loved seeing that. Like, he is ready to square up. He's so mad. And, like, if Ares is going to be his outlet, then so be it. And we'll see that come to fruition, hopefully, because we do see that in the books. Um, but, like, Walker did a really good job with that. Like, his anger is just – it's done really well because you can tell that it's coming from a place of, like, desperation and, like – And sadness, too. And, yeah. Like, he's just so sad. Yeah, because, yeah, like, we get to that point where the – quest is called off yeah and, you know he's like we have to keep going to save my mom we don't have another choice well and that was something when percy sacrifices himself and sits on the the golden throne yeah you know, hephaestus's trap like annabeth like without even him asking he's like we're gonna get your mom back like don't worry like we're gonna get your mom like his mom means everything to Percy. And, and, you know, like, she's, it's come a long way since those first few episodes where the priority was obviously the quest, and they're just, like, when he mentions the mom, they're kind of, like, okay. Yeah. Like, okay. Um, but I think because, so, like, Annabeth's obviously never met Sally, but I think she sees the kind of person that she raised, right? Like, how she learns that Sally raised Percy to kind of see the BS of it all, like be strong in those moments when the gods are, you know, like hor- like horrible to each other and be able to find compassion. So I think that like Annabeth sees that, that, that it's coming from Sally. So she wants to save her because she's a mother that she never had. Annabeth, like, the relationship there, like... Yeah. <laughs> like, that she sees maybe, like, Sally would could be that for her. I, I think you're absolutely right. And just seeing, you know, like, hearing... For Annabeth, like, hearing how Percy speaks of Sally. And, like, if you remember, like, all the way back in the beginning, he's like, I don't care if I'm the son of Poseidon. I am the son of Sally Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all that matters. Like... She, in episode five, is truly starting to see that that is, in fact, what matters. And for them now, it's not about finding the lightning thief. It's about saving Percy's mom. But it's also about finding out, like, something bigger is going on. I like that they sprinkled that in, that it's like there's something else going on. Like, it's not just that somebody stole the lightning bolt to start a war. It's, it's, it's like a big deal. Like, this is only, like, step one. And I like that Percy's kind of like, you know, forget the deadline, forget finding the lightning bolt. Like, there's there's something bigger going on. Like, we got to yeah. keep going. We, we have to keep – there's no reason – even if his mom wasn't at stake at this point, I do feel like he would want to keep going to get answers yeah. because he has become invested in this world because of Annabeth and Grover. So episode six, we take a zebra to Vegas. Uh, I mentioned this at the top of the show. Like this episode's only 33 minutes. It does only cover one chapter and a little bit of the following chapter because they actually make it to Santa Monica and they talk to the near read and like all that kind of stuff. Um, there was a lot of departures in this episode as well. Um, I, I do got to say 
there is something about the Lotus Casino that I will always love in the books because it is, it's like if you got to go to a Disney resort as a kid with unlimited money, that's kind of, <laughs> that's what it is in the book. Like, it's so just great and it's full of it's children. Like, and it's like a mirage, like it's like, it like pulls you in. Yes, like you walk in and I you almost like, immediately forget where you yeah, are. Yeah, I like, and that part of the book when I read it is is like clearer in my mind than other parts mm-hmm. of it. And like this episode definitely didn't feel that way that it like was pulling them in like the book did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it you could definitely feel that it had like in like time didn't work the same there. I think that's the main yeah. thing they focused on is that time moved differently. Um, and a lot of people have pointed out, you know, they split up. So like Percy and Annabeth stay together and Grover goes off of his own and Grover's the one who gets pulled in because he's alone. So I, I like that idea of them being to like Percy and Annabeth being together helped keep their heads on straight. Um, I do have a lot of questions, but it mostly comes back to, Bianca and Nico, um, which did you hear the Easter egg for yeah. them? Yeah. Yeah, that you could hear him showing Bianca in the back background. Yes. Yeah. And that is everything to me that they are already planning for Bianca and Nico, because that's like book three, and Nico is like such a big deal <laughs> moving I forward. I also like love that it was subtle like that. Yeah, I do like too. I think it's perfectly just doing the voice instead of like the back of people running or something like that. Like, I really like that it was subtle and it was just voices. I do too. And it, it I didn't hear it the first time. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, you have it, to really was, listen. Yeah. And also it's so muffled that like, it doesn't matter who they cast. Like, like you can't, there's no voice like that you can really distinguish. So they can cast like anyone. The one thing though with the voice that I do think is good is that he sounds so young because yeah. he is. He's much younger than Percy. And people forget that a lot. That Nico is much younger. Um, but the way that they portrayed the hotel just makes me wonder a couple of things when it comes to Bianca and Nico. Because they have been there for a very long time. And the fact that it's like a regular old... It's basically like a regular casino with like, you know, people of all ages there. It It's a little bit weirder to me that like these kids have been like stashed there. Yeah. Um, it's like grungier too. It is. It, it it's feels like, like a normal park. casino. Yeah, it's not like amusement park feeling. No. Like it really does feel like a Vegas casino. Yeah. Which like is fine. I just wonder how they're going to play that with cuz in the books it is definitely like a trap for like kids. Kids. Yeah. It's it, like Pinocchio like trapping the kids to become, you know, donkeys. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. It's it's called like Pleasure Island in Pinocchio. It's like that. It is. But yeah, it's like what are they? How are they getting kids to come here? Because kids are going to see slot machines and be like, like whatever. What do I care? Yeah, exactly. Um, I do think we have to talk about the fact that in Manuel Miranda, kind of slayed. He did. I like. Here's the thing: is that like we were all worried. We're like he. He can't pull it off. He yeah. won't be able to pull this off because it's, like, not his personality being kind of, like, should I say, like, slutty? Like, <laughs> I mean, like, he does have the most like, kids. <laughs> I know. That's what I mean, though. Like, he, like, 
No, I know I what mean, you mean. I guess he's kind of a, like a bit of a slut in Hamilton, but he's like a dork. Yes. He always plays the same breed of man. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. He was a bit more serious in this, which I'm not used to seeing, I think. And I think that's why it worked. Yeah. Because when I was watching it, like, yes, that is Lin-Manuel Miranda. But he was act. He was very serious. He was, like, more cool than usual. Yeah. He's usually such a dork. Yeah. And that made it very – it made it believable. I was like, yeah. okay, like – I see that. Yeah, I think that we just, like you said, we always see him play the exact same character. It was hard for us to believe that he could do something else. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's, I mean, that's good. Like he, you know, went beyond our expectations. Yeah. Um, do I still think that he is the perfect casting? No, but he did do a really good job. So I, I mean, I did really enjoy him. And I think what they did good is that, again, this is something that you don't see in Hermes until much later, he is very aware of the fact that he is a bad parental figure. And you can yeah. tell that it bothers him. But You as can he tell said, in the episode. Yeah. And he said, you know, like, gods have a very hard time not being in control. And, like, when it comes to the kids, like, you kind of can't be. You have to let them be in control. He's somebody who tried to, like, be a father um, to Luke, and that did not go well, which is it's just told in the episode with his mom. And I like that you can still see that that he does he wants to be better, but he's yeah. not. And he's not trying very hard. Like he he's wants not. to, but he won't put the effort in. Is what it is. That is in essence what all of the gods are. Like I would argue the same thing for Poseidon. Like Poseidon thinks he's a good dad to Percy, but he's not. And he's aware that he's not, but he does the bare minimum. And he's like, I, I did okay. I did okay, right? Yeah. Like, and so the way that Lin-Manuel was able to capture that, Lin-Manuel Miranda was like, that was interesting. I was like, okay, I see yeah. you. Serious actor Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> Nominate him for an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what's interesting is that the biggest departure is that when they get spit out, oh, I will also mention this. Um, they don't drive a taxi ever in the books. I was looking. They, like, pay for a taxi. I loved that scene. With- oh, my God. It was <laughs> so funny, him, like, bumping into the the pylons and yeah. stuff. Well, somebody pointed out when he honks the horn well after that other car is gone. Because <laughs> he was just so like, hey. <laughs> um, <sighs> I loved that. When they get to the scene in Santa Monica, because, like, they're transported there immediately, um, that all plays out pretty similarly. But the biggest departure is that they missed the solstice deadline. And that made me go, what do you mean they missed the solstice deadline? I'm confused. Because I was just looking in the book, and in the book, it's the day of the solstice when they leave. Like, mm-hmm. they were trapped in the casino Wait, for four days. in the days. book, though, are they told that camp is, like, preparing for war? Yes. Because they do okay. – the the iris message that they send to Luke, that does happen in the book. It's a little bit different um, with the timing, but they do know that, like, okay, there's been a lot of problems, um, especially because, like, the gods are picking sides, so the kids start to pick sides. Um, but they don't miss the deadline. Like, they arrive in Santa Monica – 
on the day of the solstice. So, like, obviously they're cutting it so super it's just close. More, it's just more pressure, probably. They just decided, oh, let's put more pressure on that they, like, missed it. And really drive home the fact that um, Annabeth and Grover support Percy to still save his mom. Yes, because that's what the Nereid is saying. She's like, you know, Poseidon said that you're released from your quest. You don't have to keep going, and they're going to keep going anyway. Part of me wonders, and I I don't think this is the case, but I it just makes me wonder if they lied about missing the deadline because Poseidon was, like, trying to protect Percy in a way. Like, just a weird – Like, it just seemed strange to me. And then the other thing is that um, they're given the four pearls, which in the book they only get three because that's part of, like, the prophecy. Like, you'll fail to save, like, what matters most and that kind of thing. So a lot of people have speculated that they're probably going to lose the fourth pearl. um, And that's what's going to add to, like, this urgency of, like, trying to save, you know, his mom and all that kind of stuff. So I'm very, like, I'm kind of, like, okay, like... That was unexpected. Me, a book yeah. reader, not sure what's happening. <laughs> you know? Well, I we'll know soon. It's almost over. No. I cannot express to you the shock I felt seeing that preview and seeing the words Krusty's Waterbed Palace. Are you excited, Shannon? Never in a million years. I am quoted on the show. Never in a million years did I think they would do the waterbed. No, I know. You, I think you've, like, mentioned it several times that the uh, waterbed was not going to happen. Uh, so many times. And you know what? I am, like, so excited now. Because if Who Rick was... going to play Krusty? That is such a good question. Who is going to be Who Krusty? Who would you like to see play Krusty? I don't know. Like, that is... I don't know. I remember every time I read it, like, Krusty is so, like, he's just, like, super sleazy, you know, like, that kind of person. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if, because I always figured that they would, the reason I figured they'd cut it is because, one, it's a weird scene. Um, Two, like, they have that scene, and then right after they go to the um, record place, which is the entrance to the underworld. And I figured they would just go straight to the record place, go straight to the underworld. So now I'm wondering if Krusty's waterbed palace is going to be the entrance to the underworld. <laughs> like, honestly, like, they haven't been cutting out very many, like, it's like tangible things, right? True. Yeah. Like, locations and stuff like that. Like, have there been any locations cut? The only thing that I can think that they, like, actually cut is the poodle giving them directions. That's the only thing yeah. that I think they've actually so, cut. So, like, really, like, tangible things, like, they're not really cutting. So, like, it's, I guess, like, on brand for the show to do the, the waterbed <laughs> stuff. crusties. <laughs> yeah. But, like... There's so much. So the episode is called We Find Out the Truth, Sort of, which is chapter, I don't know, off the top of my head. It's chapter 19. And that's the chapter that they talk to Hades because that's them finding out the truth, sort of, because Hades kind of like, yo, like, this is what's happening. Um, So that is three chapters. There's three chapters away from that right now. Because We Shop for Waterbeds is 
crusties plus going down to the the underworld. Annabetha's obedient school is them getting to Hades Palace, and then we find out the truth sort of is them talking to Hades. So I have a feeling like it's gonna I think this episode's gonna end with the lead up to the battle with Percy and Ares. I think it's going to end with that. So it's going to be all the underworld stuff. So I'm just like, they're going to do all the underworld stuff and crusties. <laughs> Have they said how long that Percy, I'm looking it up, seven, 40 minutes. Okay. And then eight is 41 minutes. Okay. That makes sense. Cause they both have about three chapters worth of stuff. So yeah, so okay. Episode um, seven, we find out the truth, sort of, and then episode eight, the prophecy comes true. While you were looking that up, um, one of our friends messaged us and said, "What if Logan Lerman is crusty?" That would be like the funniest thing to ever happen. It would be okay. So like my hope that Logan Lerman is somewhere in the series was kind of dashed when um, Rick said, "Normalize erasing bad movies," which. Absolutely, go off, King. But <laughs> Logan Lerman, come on. <laughs> it's so rude of him. <laughs> Logan Lerman, yeah. Yeah. Um, I cannot believe. But like, in his, I was going to say, in Rick's defense, like, that, the, the, these books are his babies. Yes. So in his defense, I can understand. In his defense. In his defense, absolutely. However, Logan Lerman <laughs> has aged so gracefully. You know, Do you think he could pull off Krusty? She laughs, I feel- like no answer. <laughs> I I think I would literally die. I think I would literally die. I've also seen people say that he should play Paul Blofus, which personally, no. I don't think he's – that's the wrong kind of dad. He's the wrong kind of daddy to play Paul Blofus. But I mm-hmm. also saw somebody say, um, oh, what's his name? who should have been the rom-com king who was in jury duty as himself. Oh, James Marsden. Yes. Him as Paul Blofus, I could get behind. That would be yeah. interesting. Oh, he's so good on jury duty. Oh, jury duty. Didn't win <laughs> anything, but you're He well was up. nominated for himself. I know. Nominated for it by as himself. That was amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, one of our, like, I don't know anyone who's watched our show, so I haven't really had anyone to talk to about it, but one of our friends literally <laughs> watched it in, like, a day and messaged me, so it brought me great joy that I could talk about it, because it's silly. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else about these two episodes that you think we need to cover? Uh, I don't think so. I'm really looking forward to the end, seeing Krusty, seeing how, like, the, the deadline comes into it. Excited. I'm ready for the Krusty thirst traps. Like, Yeah, thank God. Like, honestly, like, thank God Krusty is, like, the upcoming episode, because if we have to wait, like, longer for it, it'd be pretty bad. Yeah, we demand to see Krusty. We demand it. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm so sad that, like, we're already almost done. Like, we're going to be done yeah. before January is but over. Shannon, it's getting re- – it's going to get renewed. Like, there's, like, no way in hell it's not getting re- renewed. Like, it will. It is, like, one of the most popular things Disney Disney Plus has made. 
is no, so just, popular. There's a, there's a voice at the back of my mind that just reminds me. It's Disney me. Plus, though. It's not Netflix. Like, if it's it was ne- Netflix, like, I would be worried. But what they did to Willow. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Not that I, I think it was, not that I think it's like Willow in that way. Not that Willow did not have an amazing following and still has an amazing following, but Percy Jackson. Not like Percy. Like, Percy has, like, crazy following because of the yeah. books. I mean, Percy has the ability to be their, like, wizarding world. Like, I know. Like, they, if it's, if it does really well, they can make a whole land or an attraction. Like, I'm going to die. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. Like, it would be so good. Well, remains to be seen. Remains. To be seen, we will be hoping for that renewal. Um, hopefully, there are lots of crusty um, thirst edits. If you see any, send them our way. There, watch, watch that up. That watch that scene just like not even be anything that we're thinking it's gonna be. Like, I have so many questions about the inclusion of crusty, but I trust Rick and Riordan. like the inclusion of it in the preview. Like, they were yeah. like, we're going to tease you a bit. We're going to let you know. They literally, they were like, we need to warn you that they're going to Krusty's. <laughs> um, well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Lipstick and Lightsabers. Um, if you'd like to keep the conversation going, if you find any Krusty edits, you can find us pretty much always at on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.